that he forgets that I like to mess with him. Okay, I want the kids to come up here with me, okay? The kids are learning about Bible heroes. Their curriculum is, um, is both uh, Old Testament uh, characters, but also giving them uh, kind of godly characteristics. But um, today, I decided I wanted you guys to help me teach all of us that although we believe in the Bible, there's really only one thing that it comes down to. All these Old Testament heroes that you are learning about, they're all pointing towards one person. Do you know who that is? God. Close. Jesus. They all point towards Jesus. The New Testament is all about Jesus and his life and what he did for us. And then the end of the New Testament is how do we live that way? So, the beauty of being a kid is that things get digested into simple form. Come here, right here. I'm going to line you up. Come here. I want you to stand and face this handsome crowd so they can examine you guys. Okay? See, kids aren't embarrassed to do activity. Okay? When, at, at some point, I don't know when it happens, but you become too cool to do what we're about to do. But we're going to see if you guys can inspire these guys to do this, okay? Come on, don't be shy, Kyle. I know you. Everybody here likes you. Hi, I'm Kyle. Right? Okay. So, there is a song. We're, we're going to learn today, while you guys are up there, we're going to learn about our organization called the Christian Missionary Alliance. We are very interested in people going around the world to tell other people about Jesus. There is a song I learned from a missionary who lived in Africa. And it goes like this. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. As we go sailing home. That's my favorite part too. Okay? So... I'm going to step back here. I want you guys to do these motions, okay? Now, we've got to do this fast because there's one more part, okay? You ready to sing with me? They will help you sing, okay? Here we go. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. As we go sailing home. Good. Now, to really sing this song, every verse we're going to drop one of the words and just do the motions. And we're going to speed it up as we go. And we're going to see if everybody can participate. Should we make them stand and do it with us? I think so. Let everybody stand up. We will follow our young worship leaders here. Okay? Now, just to help you understand, here's what we're going to do. We'll sing the first verse, just like we just did. The second verse, instead of with Jesus, you just point. With, in the boat, I can smile. Okay, and then each verse, we're going to drop the word and just do the motion. Got it? We'll the beauty of it is we'll hear who doesn't pay attention. Okay? 
All right, here we go. We'll do the whole thing. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. With Jesus in the boat, I can smile through the storm. As we go sailing home. Good. With in the boat, I can smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. Smile through the storm with in the... <laughs> I can smile through the storm as we go sailing home. Drop two words. With in the... I can smile through the storm. Smile through the storm. Smile through the storm with in the... I can smile through the storm as we go sailing home. Drop three words. With in the... I can, through the storm, through the, smile, through the, smile, with, in the, I can, through the storm, as we go sailing home, drop four words, with, in the, I can, through the, through the, through the, with, in the, I can, through the, as we go sailing home, drop them all with in the I can through the through the through the with in the I can through the as Amen. Very good. Okay, you may go and take Jesus in your boat. I don't know what we're going to do for the next 35 minutes. That was my sermon right there. Okay. Um, I, I really enjoyed being with the kids. They, they give a vitality that the gray hair needs. And uh, so last week I was actually up with the kids. I missed, uh, I missed John Rich being here and speaking. But thank you, Garth, and thank you, Dave, that uh, you technobots uh, allow me to tap in and listen to it during the week while I work. And, uh, and the beauty of it is uh, twofold. One, that the things that I wanted to start to share with you today, John really kind of launched off on last week, explaining a little bit about the alliance, uh, our districts, how we're organized, but really what our heart is. And that heart is the story of Jesus Christ. Um, the second part that I enjoy is that uh, God does have a great sense of humor. We have a uh, membership class going on right now with 12 people in attendance. Isn't that fabulous? For all those guys, everything today will be on the final exam. Okay? (laughs) At the same time, everything is what Don had in class today. So they get to hear the whole thing again. Okay? Just slightly different versions. They get the the deeper side of it, but, uh, but here's how I came about this process. We as a church are, are in a neat kind of God-centered, God-directed process right now of trying to say, Lord, what's our next steps? But as I thought about it, some of you have labeled me the, uh, the missions cheerleader, you know, Tommy wants to see me up here in my little skirt doing my thing, you know, but... <laughs> 
It's not coming, Tom. Sorry. Um, but I, I am a fan of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. My folks, my mom is here visiting today. And yes, she has a yardstick with her, so if I get out of line, she'll smack me. Um, my, my parents uh, took us to an Alliance church for the first time when I was in about 6th or 7th grade. I don't remember exactly what. But uh, our pastor was Pastor Raymond Dibble. And Pastor Dibble was a classic, what I'm going to call a classic mainline Alliance pastor. He was fire and brimstone, man. He pounded the pulpit, he spoke loudly, and he gave altar calls. Every week? I don't know, an awful lot. And it was very clear to me that the Alliance was about knowing Jesus. And Pastor Dibble wanted us to know Jesus. That was a, became a lifelong journey to the point that when Nancy and I moved from Pennsylvania to come here, we said, we got to find an Alliance church. And uh, God brought us here through um, a series of interesting circumstances, which I won't go into. So that brings us, uh, or brought me, to kind of this question of, we are the Alliance Bible Church of Bartlett. We are part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, this year, I believe we celebrate 131 years as an organization. It was 1912, approximately, or 1912, 2012, approximately, that we celebrated our 125th anniversary. Um, but that, that background, that heritage, I believe, is a great heritage to look back to to point us to where we need to continue to go in our process as Alliance Bible Church. And so I, I postulate two questions for you. Actually, they're really one question. What's our core purpose? What's our core message? Um, this answer is really and should be an answer that any Bible-believing New Testament church would give. So that even if you go outside the alliance, I hope you will find this answer. And I chose 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, as a portion of Scripture that answers that question for us. And I will read it to you. I believe Dave has it up on the screens, too. Brothers and sisters, this is Paul writing to all of us. Um, it's not me speaking. Brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Oh, there they are. Yeah. By, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried, he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. They've passed away. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So what is our core purpose? It is this guy, Jesus. I, I really uh, am amazed 
at, at a few conversations that I occasionally get into where people just don't believe Jesus existed, you know, it's just a, a cool book story, uh, something like that. You know, I want to say, what part of history do you choose to believe then? You know, this is a historical fact. It is documented. It was recorded early on. It's verified by historians. This book we call the Bible has stuck around for 2,000 years. What other book has? It has impacted billions of people. Really, that many of us are all wrong? This is our core message. And this ultimately is all that matters. After this part of the message, it becomes, and I'm going to tread lightly here. Please forgive me if I start to offend you. It's not meant to be. After this core point of Jesus is real, he died for us, he paid our price, he gives us hope, everything else is theology and doctrine. And most of that theology and doctrine separates, divides. It actually has some beautiful benefits, too. Much like us, where we are not the same, we have different strengths. We have weaknesses that are overcome by others' strengths. Denominations form that have different interests, different passions, different purposes. And as those all hold on to this first core value, everything else works together for good, as God's will is carried out. So this is the beauty. The Alliance is, the Christian and Missionary Alliance is a denomination. We were formed because there was a difference. There was something that needed done. And that was established by, a, by our founder a long time ago. We have a video that gives us a brief introduction to what that is. Albert Benjamin Simpson, the man who launched the movement that came to be known as the Christian and Missionary Alliance, was a very busy man. Among other things, he planted a church, he founded a college, he started a magazine, began a publishing house, and established a mission society all at the same time. All of these enterprises became the foundation for what we now call the Christian and Missionary Alliance. In his spare time, he was a prolific writer. He penned 101 books, authored and edited countless magazine articles, wrote thousands of sermons, and composed 162 hymns, some of which are still being sung today. And one of those hymns begins with these words, Jesus only is our message. Jesus all our theme shall be. We will lift up Jesus ever. Jesus only will we sing. Jesus only, Jesus ever, Jesus all in all we sing. Savior, sanctifier and healer, glorious Lord and coming King. Now that, my friends, captures the very heart of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. When all is said and done, this extraordinary movement can be summed up in one simple phrase. It's all about Jesus. So again, in looking ahead, let's look back and remember, it's all about Jesus. If we ever hear anybody up here 
candidate, elder, guest speaker who goes away from that message, it's time to get up and walk away. Okay? That is the message. So, for those in the uh, class, our founder is A.B. Simpson. And A.B. stands for? Albert Benjamin. Good. Just, I'm glad you got that down. It's going to be on the test. That should scare some of them away, huh, Don? Plenty. Let's, uh, let's uh, take a quick review of, of uh, history. This is, <laughs> this is actually what Don was doing with the class today. Uh, I'm going to go through it in a much briefer version. I, I, uh, nothing I'm telling you today is original. In fact, all of this can be found on our Alliance website in different forms. I really encourage you guys to spend some time there. I wish I could tell you. I, I'm full of stories that I want to tell you. Just don't have time. Almost any element that I cover today could be a full day's sermon. But let's look back at our history. A.B. Simpson, he was the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. This uh, first picture of him is, uh, I'm going to say he's 20, 24, 25, as I recall, in this picture. He had just uh, graduated from seminary. Uh, interesting little factoid about, uh, about uh, Mr. Simpson. Simpson. In 1865, he uh, accepted his first church uh, called Knox Presbyterian Church. The same weekend that he started at the church, he chose to get married. Really? He married this young lady. Um, now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, Margaret. Is that right, Don? Hang on, I got it here. Margaret, yes. Margaret Simpson. Um, her maiden name was um, Henry. Margaret Henry. Why they chose to get married the same weekend he starts a new job, I don't know. It does make you question about this guy. But as that video showed, this guy loved to run with his pants on fire. This man was full of energy. Frankly, he was full of the Holy Spirit. And the things that he did are just, frankly, amazing. And this is our heritage. As Don explained to the class, when he turned 30 years old, he, he, uh, he was a Canadian, by the way. He left Canada, came... Uh, to the United States, moving to Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, then later on, accepted, uh, he was within the Presbyterian Church, accepted a church in New York City. This is a, is a key moment uh, for, for the Alliance, for uh, Dr. Simpson, in that this church, I mean, imagine, you've now been called to the biggest city in America amidst a very prominent denomination in a very influential church. This man had made it. He made it to the top of the pastoral heap. Okay? And at this point, he's only about 34, 35 years old. And he's there. He's speaking to the elite in New York. But this was also the time in American history when immigrants were pouring in to New York. Um, as frankly, as it is today. America is a land of opportunity, and people were coming. And Simpson was meeting people down on the docks, uh, frankly, what some people would consider the dregs of society. And he said, these people need to know about Christ, and he started sharing with them. That's who he was, this guy, just Jesus first, wanted to tell these people about, about Christ. This led to a conflict between the church and him. 
And that when these immigrants started coming into the church, the highbrows went, "Mm, we really don't want that kind in our church. Do you see the problem? Here's Jesus, this guy that Simpson's studying, talking to anybody. Woman at the well. Oh, I know all about you. I know you're not even married. But when the prostitutes, when the longshoremen came into the church, eh, we really don't want their kind here. And it became a conflict between Simpson and the leadership of the church to the point that uh, Simpson resigned uh, to establish his own church called the Gospel Gospel Tabernacle. Forgive me. How do you like this for a uh, purpose statement? Back then, I don't think they called it that, but now we're sophisticated. Now we do. A church where all the poor, homeless, sick, and displaced will be welcomed. This, uh, this picture here, I'm going to take a little aside. Um, go to the next slide, Dave, I'm sorry. This picture here um, became a, a, an iconic picture of Simpson in that he signed Jesus only. This became his mantra. Okay? Nothing else matters. This doctrine, this highfalutin attitude, none of this matters. It's Jesus only. So something happened to me this week that made me think, what if Dr. Simpson lived today? How would he communicate this fact? The beauty of living in the 1800s was basically it was Nick and I face-to-face talking about Jesus. Now we're sophisticated. We got phones. We can text, do things. I have a guy who who, much like myself, will use his phone and voice text, you know, and, and the phone writes it out for you. And he was trying to encourage me, um, knowing what I was going to be talking about, and that uh, we must remember that Jesus is first. Well, the trouble is, he doesn't edit his voice text, he just sends it. So when the text came through, it said, just remember, cheeses are first. Okay, I'll go order some provolone. I, I, I didn't know what he was sending me. What do you mean, cheeses are first? And I, I even showed Nancy, what's he talking about here? I'm lost. Cheeses first. Cheeses love me. This I know, because I am a big fatso. Um, so, I don't know. Cheeses first, okay? Only cheeses. Um... I think Dr. Simpson probably would have checked his text and said, Jesus only, not Jesus only. Into the next slide, uh, Dr. Simpson, um, out of this, this conflict in the church, can God use conflict in the church for his purpose? We are testimony that he does. Okay? Out of this conflict in the church, Simpson developed what uh, is called an insatiable burden for worldwide evangelism. He, he told this message. He says, this is what I am called to do. This is what needs done. And suddenly, like-minded people started to gather together. And interestingly, over time, 
a lot of these people left other congregations, other denominations, to come and join them. Um, in, uh, <clears throat> it really it was all about taking this message all around the world, not just New York City, but Simpson looking at all these immigrants and saying, this message is needed everywhere. How do we do that? So in 1884, he established the Missionary Training Institute, MTI, which eventually became MIT, which you all know about. Um, No, that's not true. Um, uh, MTI uh, was one of the things that you saw in the video um, that said, we're going to train young men and women how to share this message in other countries. And I want you to know that this same element that Dr. Simpson established back in the 1800s still occurs today. The Christian Missionary Alliance has one of the highest ratios of... In fact, it may be the highest ratio of linguistically fluent workers around the world. What that means is that we don't just send somebody off to a country. You've got to learn their language. You've got to speak their heart language, which frequently means our workers are learning dialects, not just a language, a specific dialect, so they can communicate in heart language to other people. And so this training was not just, let's learn the Bible, let's learn Jesus only. It was, how do we communicate this correctly? How do we get this message into somebody else's language? And that still is true today. And in a very short bit, you're going to see what I hope you will find as an inspirational video, that this continues today. This uh, last slide of Dr. Simpson, um, this is a uh, a classic picture of him in his uh, older years. Um, He did not want to form a denomination, duh, Okay, you understand why, right? Um, he formed what was called a missionary society. We're a, a group of people where we gum, come together like a golf club. You know, we're, we're here because we, want, we have the same purpose, the same thinking. We're a society of people that are interested in missions. And um, as I said, they came from all different kind of de- denominations. It was during this period of his life that he established what is called the fourfold gospel. It's the heart of what the Alliance believes. It is uh, really still operating today as, as kind of our basic foundation that, that we uh, build on, that we believe, that we operate on to this day. Dr. Simpson died in uh, 1919, um, and we have had a series of godly men follow in his steps. And I am here to tell you and testify that in my 60 years, or at least in the 50 or so that I've been part of the Alliance, every president that I've heard or known, I've found them inspirational. How, how people choose a leader is really kind of a fascinating process to me. So as I thought back to these Alliance presidents, that this is, is really cool. This is God's fingerprint. And now we have to do that. We have to choose 
who's going to be our next pastor. God's going to let us find his fingerprint on the future of our church. Let's continue our look at history. In very abbreviated form, um, from World War I through World War II, it's, uh, uh, the website calls it a time of sacrifice and expansion. Um, they, the, uh, the president at that time did not want to establish churches, so they built tabernacles. Um, You've got to remember, in American culture, uh, cities are actually a relatively new thing. America was still very rural, very farm-based um, in the early 1900s. So the idea of a tabernacle was small. Groups of people can come to it and not feel like, um, like it's a, a permanent situation. Um, but at the same time, this message continued to, to be shared. We are here... We are part of the Alliance because we're interested in Jesus only and sharing this message worldwide. And even during these times of the Great Depression, you know your history, World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, hard time in America, and yet the Alliance grew dramatically. Why? Because this message is so encouraging, so full of hope, that people are drawn to it. Does it make you wonder why in prosperity people fall away from the gospel? Hardship is a good thing. From World War II through the uh, mid-70s is what they call the evangelical uh, era. It was a time after World War II, great prosperity. People started moving into the cities. So the president and, and the head, the leaders of the alliance said, let's go ahead and let's start forming churches. Let's go kind of the traditional route um, at this point, we're still not a denomination. We're called a movement of like-minded people. <clears throat> we'll, we'll, we'll form churches. There was movement both in the cities and into suburbs as they developed. Um, but also a critical change in the thinking of the alliance, which continues today, that I want to share with you. It's called the indigenous church policy. Sounds like corporate speak, doesn't it? But I want you to understand because it's, it really is key to who we are and how we operate. And it's a, it frankly is a beautiful policy. There is a thinking in America, I'm speaking in general terms, there's a speaking, a thought in America that we know best. Let us go teach those savages about Jesus and they will learn to be Jesus in our form. And the Alliance said, no, that's not right. We're speaking in their language, in their culture. We need to help them become their own church. And so the indigenous church policy was established, which said every country, everyone, we want you to be moving towards self-sufficiency, self-propagation, and ultimately, you take this message and send it out to where you guys think it needs to be. You don't need to be under the thumb of the Americans or the Canadians. Yes, we have a lot of money, and we will help you. But you will become your own decision makers. And so the Alliance, the Christian Missionary Alliance, and now I'm going to start using the words the U.S. Christian Missionary Alliance, has purposely withdrawn its efforts from countries as they have become more and more independent. There used to be, when I was little, used to be a ton of missionaries in South America. 
There's very few today. Why? Because those churches are so strong. They're self-supporting. They're self-propagating. You want to know where they're sending missionaries? To the United States. Interesting, huh? Why? Because there's still a ton of immigrants coming from South America to the United States. Who knows their heart language? The Peruvians. The Chileans. They know how to speak that language far better than we'll ever know how. So they're sending missionaries to the United States. It really really is a beautiful system, thanks to the leaders that we've had. Our current era that we're in from about the mid-70s to the present is called the Missionary Church Era. Um, We we saw this increase in immigration uh, because, and now think about this in practical terms, For a hundred years, we had been sending missionaries to other countries to tell about Jesus in a language they understood. That was not normal, okay? In a language they understood. When those immigrants came to America, who would they look for? Hey, we know what the alliance is. And so the alliance just blossomed as a multicultural denomination. We did formally become a denomination, I believe it was in 1975, um, and, uh, and yet, with this ethnic uh, diversity, uh, the U.S. leadership realized we need to help establish these ethnic groups in their own little districts. As John said yesterday, or last week, we're part of the Midwest district. We actually have a Vietnamese district. It's spread out all over the United States, but it's people from Vietnam who live in America, and they meet, they speak Vietnamese in the services, and so we have a Vietnamese district to deal with them. Nancy and I had the privilege, I think Mom was there, had the privilege of hearing um, the president of the Vietnamese district um, speak, and he, he shared this message, which I will share with you, because it's a great testimony to our past. He said, I would dare say that if there exists a Christian in Vietnam today, we have the Christian and Missionary Alliance to thank for it. Because they went in when everyone else left. And this is part of the heritage that we uphold. And to this day, Vietnam in spite of falling into communism, is a burgeoning church. Again, living proof that persecution is good for following Christ. This, uh, what this does is it, it brings up amazing opportunities. Um, so I've got another video here that I want to share with you. As we come to the end of the year, um, I'll be sharing in the next couple of weeks other videos from, from our president and such, but Uh, I want you guys to think about a year-end offering. And and this video is specifically oriented towards a year-end gift to uh, the Great Commission Fund, our mechanism for supporting missionaries. But um, we're at a unique position in our history in this. At one time, we had 1,200 missionaries, uh, now called international workers, around the world. Due to the economy, the collapse of, uh, of the 2000 era to, to currently, that number has shrunk down to 60. Um, or I'm sorry, to 700. Um, so, so there's been a, a deep drawdown of U.S. 
personnel overseas. Um, the good news is, at the same time that we're drawing down, the international church is growing. This beauty of the, the indigenous church policy says that really, if you count the number of international workers worldwide, we're well beyond 1,200. Okay? But we as Americans, we're, we're the rich guys. Let's accept some responsibility here. And our ability to give is unique. Um, for the first time, for the first time in modern history, from this uh, 1970s to present, um, we have 60 young men and women trained and ready to go overseas. They just need money. Now, I want you to understand the process these guys go through. Okay? They don't just go, hey, yeah, I want to be a missionary. Let's do it. Okay? You're about to see and understand some of this process. And these men and women have gone through to, to say, I'm willing to serve in this way. I hope you're inspired by this. Dave? My name is Thomas Harvin Stebbins. Oops, wrong one, Dave. Uh, I'm related to Ruth Thompson. It's the movie version. It's the, yeah, little screen down below. This one, yeah. I felt called to be a missionary, so I went to Crown College and studied intercultural studies. And it eventually led me to Berlin, Germany, and then I lived there for two years as a missionary apprentice. I had already completed the process that I needed to go through with my schooling and had done my two years in Germany. So I was ready to just stay in Germany as a missionary with the Alliance. We both grew up in Warren, Ohio. It's a small town, not very big. I ended up on a short-term mission trip to Germany where she was serving at the time. Had never met each other despite growing up in the same town. And the rest is history. Married and two kids now. So after we got married and came to the realization of how much preparation I did need to do in terms of getting overseas, being prepared and being ready, I had to go back and get a master's degree in Christian studies, which prepared me to have a more thorough understanding of scripture. And then we also got to do an internship where I thought it was program, structure, and that's what we get to offer. I thought ministry was just a job. Missions was just a job that needed to be done. You had a job description, you did it, there was a book you read, and then it taught you how to do it. I had thought that I was done. I had already done what I needed to do to prepare, and I was kind of saw our time in the States as like a waiting room. I had so tightly wrapped who I was and what my value in Christ was based on what I was doing. I wasn't ready and there was a lot I needed to learn in order for us to be prepared as a family to go back. My failure was not seeing that what we get to bring is, is the gospel. That resulted in me getting fired. We were both miserable together. It was great. <laughs> and feeding off of each other. And I was eight months pregnant, so I was, you know, no one should, should have crossed me at the time. Uh, we're going to be stuck here. We're never going to go on the mission field. We've told people we're called. It just felt kind of shameful. Thankfully, I did get fired because if they let me keep doing that, I would have just continued to build up the structure of missions is that checklist. It's a job. 
I get a phone call. It's a pastor in New Jersey saying, hey, we have heard about you guys and we want to offer you an internship. Their job offer to us is come and die to yourself, to everything you think you know and you understand, and we'll pay you nothing, but you will learn everything. My head was saying, zero pay. This is a terrible idea. Like, you need a paycheck. But my heart was saying, you need this for yourself. You need this to change. Because if you don't die to something, you will just continue living for yourself. If this church was willing to love us and to take us on, we couldn't say no. One of the first things they told us was, we believe that you guys are called as a couple. We have equal expectations for you during this time of preparation and want to see how you guys minister and serve alongside of each other. Am I willing to repent and ask for forgiveness? Uh, if I'm not able to do that, then I have nothing to offer because I'm not offering what Christ has given me already. We've been able to go back and ask for that forgiveness and repent to them yeah. and to, to have restored relationship. If we weren't prepared, then we would have walked right into failure. We've wanted to go to Germany since we first met, and in his faithfulness, he's allowed it to take time. Sending workers is a faith-filled risk because you're trusting that, that you're sending people who understand the gospel and can live that out. The faithfulness we get to do is the sending, and the risk is trusting that those people we send fully embrace and understand the gospel. How many of us would go, oh boy, a two-year position with no pay, let's go do it. You know, this is part of what the Alliance puts, I don't even like putting it that way. This is part of what the Alliance asks God to prepare their workers for. That it is this story of Jesus only dying to self and being prepared to tell others. Um, we have 60 men and women ready to go who've gone through this long, arduous process of education, of work, of uh, sacrifice, and um, they deserve our support. Um, I'm looking for a note here, forgive me. Um, I'm not the techno guy, but if you choose to give through the Alliance website, on their Facebook page, and I believe it is this coming Tuesday. Um, please look this up. I'm not a Facebook guy either. Um, if you give to the Alliance year-end fund on the Facebook page of the Alliance, Facebook matches your gift up to $250,000. So I, I thought, hey, way to go, Zuckerberg. Although I disagree with 99% of what you think, you give 250000 to the Alliance, then I'll support. Frankly, I don't care. Okay? They deserve my support, whether somebody matches my funds or not. Am I willing to sacrifice like they have? I've got it pretty easy here. So I want to encourage you, especially in the month of December, to pray through what uh, you can um, consider giving. Let's look ahead at our, uh, by looking back at our current president. Our current president is Dr. John Stumbo. Man, what a, <laughs> what a great story. If you have not um, heard this man's story, I want, uh, I want to encourage you to do so. Here's some facts and figures. 
Um, his dad was a pastor. He accepted Christ when he was about seven years old. Um, uh, he spoke here in Wheaton uh, last year. Nancy and I had a chance to, to go and visit them, uh, listen to them. His wife, Joanna, our comment was, if we lived near them, she would be our friend. You know, he's so freaking busy, you know, you, you kind of feel like he's the rock star, you know, like usher him off and move him on to the next place. Uh, busy guy, but fabulous speaker. Talks with a really gritty voice, you know. Um, but when you hear his story, you uh, begin to understand. It was 2008. He was pastor of a very large church in Oregon and just started getting sick. Never been sick. He was a marathon runner, been an outdoor guy all his life. Um, I sometimes get braggadocious and I say, I've never missed a day of work in my life. Okay? This was, this was Dr. Stubbo. He just had never, ever been sick. And suddenly can't walk, can't swallow, drools all the time. Doctors can't figure out what's going on. His body just wastes away. He wrote this book, An Honest Look at a Mysterious Journey. I would just encourage you to, uh, to get this. I'll buy it for you if you want it. Um, you need to know this guy because he also was miraculously healed from it. Where do miracles happen? They happen on Interstate 80 in a rest stop. <laughs> Figure it out. He says, I, why would God choose to heal me on Interstate 80 in a rest stop? I don't know, but he did. He said, I knew. Boom, it happened. I stopped drooling. I suddenly felt strength come back to me. His story so inspired the Christian Missionary Alliance, that he was elected as our 12th president in 2013. He is now in his second term um, as our president. Just, a, again, an inspirational man that we can look to and say, this is part of who we are. This is part of whoever comes to this church has in his corner. It's part of who we are that we want to share with our new pastor. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this next aspect. It's, it's the doctrine. It's the fourfold gospel. This is what A.B. Simpson developed for us. But as you can see on this slide, if Dave's with me, yes. There's four aspects. And um, we used to have the banners up here. Um, but this is our logo, uh, the cross, the pitcher, the cup, and the crown that represent these four aspects. Uh, I love the fact that Don had uh, had the the same section in the uh, in the class. Um, so we're going to see if the class was listening. This will be fun. Okay, Zeke, are you here? Oh, he's out there. That lucky dog. Okay, Zeke read Acts four twelve, talking about our Savior. It simply says, salvation is found in none other. Any, any of these elements we could spend weeks on. The sanctifier. Kevin, do you remember what 1 Corinthians one thirty was talking about? <laughs> Kevin's going, where'd Kevin go? Oh, there's Zeke. Now he comes in. Kevin, run to the bathroom. Oh, my gosh. You guys are masters of timing. 1 Corinthians one thirty. Christ is our sanctifier. It's a, it's a process. It's because of him 
that we are righteous, that we're holy, that we're redeemed. It's not our own work. Paul says in Philippians, it's a lifelong process. Continue to work out your salvation. Healer, James 5.15. Jay, are you here? Oh, my gosh. They knew I was going to do this, huh? This is the Holy Spirit at work, saving them all from embarrassment. Um, except Amanda. <laughs> I'm sorry, Amanda. Um, James 5.15, healer. Um, <clears throat> the prayer offered in faith will make the sick well. Boy, does Dr. Stumbo understand this. Why did it take two years? Does this man have a reason to ask why, God? You're darn tootin', and that's the kind of guy I want leading me. But I want to spend just a small amount of time on the second part of this verse. Because this is a key component of who we are as the Alliance. Healing is not just the American cultural thing of, I've got a boo-boo, Jesus made it better. Okay? Healing is, I am burdened with sin. Christ died and healed my soul eternally. Now I have hope. And that is a key component of what healing is and what James 5.15 talks about. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Our coming king, Acts 1.11. Amanda, what do you remember? Don't do this to me. I hate you. <laughs> you remember what it said? Exactly. It's the full circle. The same Jesus only who we've looked at He's coming back, people. Let's be prepared. Let's give the good news. When it occurs, eh, let's have some fun. We can talk about that at another time. But this is the heart of the fourfold gospel um, that was established in the 1800s. Hey, the good news, it's still valid today. Leads us into our core values um, that I want to share with you. And uh, none of these should really be great surprises. You've heard all of these concepts shared from Pastor Tim, Pastor Don over the last uh, many years uh, in some form or another. That lost people matter to God. He wants them found. Again, the heart of the Christian Missionary Alliance. That prayer remains our primary work. Prayer meeting. Stewardship. I don't own anything. God owns everything. But for some reason, he's given it to me. Now, what can I do with that? It's not just money. Um, but I uh, did share that aspect with you. But it's everything. It's our time. It's our talents. Our gifts. Our, what are we able to do? Um, let's share that with each other and honor God with that. That God's word is boom diggity the bottom line. I need to get them to put that in there, the boom diggity. I think that will work, don't you think, Don? Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Redefining success in American culture right there, okay? It's not my benefits. It's not my paycheck. Continuing with the other seven, the other three core values. The Great Commission. Completing the Great Commission is not just the job of those trained missionaries. It requires all of us. Every fully devoted disciple, not just the Alliance, every 
fully devoted disciple who believes in Jesus first. I, I'm sorry, Jesus first. That we are empowered and that if the Holy Spirit isn't part of it, nothing good is going to be accomplished. And then you heard um, the missionary in the video talk about faith-filled risk. And uh, we'll end here with a, uh, with a short video and an inspiration. The, the Alliance has always put forth this concept of faith-filled risk. To be faithful, you will risk something. If you're going to teach your children about Christ, something's going to test you. Okay? If you are willing to tell the world, it's going to cost you somewhere. The Alliance has an amazing, amazing history of perseverance, of sending people in, working for all their lives with no converts. There's a great story told of missionaries who went to Cambodia, lived there most of their lives, saw almost no converts. Their son returned to the village after the father retired. And suddenly, boom, people accepted Christ like crazy. And he said, why? Why are you doing this now? My dad was here for all of his life. He said, because you came back, now we see your dad meant it. It took that long in that culture for them to believe. How long are we willing to share a message with someone? We are really impatient people. Okay? But our alliance history is full of amazing stories. The one that, uh, amazing people. There's, there's uh, books that have been written. This is actually a kid's version of the book. Um, but many of you know Robert Jaffrey, uh, A.W. Tozer. Many great people have come through the Alliance. The video you're going to hear about is uh, about the missionaries in Vietnam. Um, as I said earlier, if there's, uh, if there's a living Christian in Vietnam, uh, many would say it's because of an Alliance missionary somewhere back there. When uh, the Vietnam War broke out, Everybody was pulled out of Vietnam. By that, I mean other countries, let's get out. The Alliance did something interesting. They said to their missionaries in Cambodia, they have needs, let's go there. The Alliance isn't just about Bible thumping. They have, from the early starts, been about what do you need to eat? Do you have injuries? We're here to help you. Okay? It has been the full gospel, everything. And so when war broke out, there was a clear need for help medically in other ways too. This story is about a group of men and women who went, they established a leprosarium, leprosy, okay, doing tropical medicine in Vietnam during the war. And it moves from here. My name is Thomas Harvin Stebbins, and uh, I'm related to Ruth Thompson. She was my older sister. She and I had one thing in common. We were both passionate about missions. She was appointed with her husband, Ed Thompson, to Cambodia, where they spent 13 years 
Ed was one of the best speakers I have ever heard. He'd go from village to village, but in the 13 years that they served in Cambodia, they could count on one hand the number of people that they had led to Christ. When Prince Sihanouk kicked all the Americans out of Cambodia, she and her husband, Ed Thompson, asked the Alliance to send them to Vietnam because the tribal group that they were just beginning to reach also lived across the border in Vietnam. A pastor and his wife came to dissuade them from going to Vietnam. You can't go to Vietnam. Vietnam's at war. And Ed said, we must go to Vietnam. We are immortal until our task is done. God wants us in Vietnam. The pastor's wife started to pull the clothes out of the drum that my sister was packing. She said, but you're crazy, Ruth. You're crazy. You'll get killed. And Ruth said, I'm not crazy. I'm constrained by the love of Christ. If I get killed, I get killed. But I must obey Christ and go to Vietnam. After learning French and Cambodian for 13 years, then they studied Vietnamese for a year at the Dalat School up in the Highlands. They were determined to master the Hmong language. And it was during that time that they were caught in the Tet Offensive. There had been a peace negotiation that both sides would cease fire during the Tet celebration. But uh, mixed up with the firecrackers, there was the boom, boom, boom of rockets, the rat-a-tat-tat-tat of machine guns. And the North Vietnamese soldiers swarmed onto the compound of the Alliance where Ruth and Ed lived to attack the Vietnamese base behind them. Ed and Bob Seymour, who lived next door, dug out a garbage pit and made it into a bunker. Ruth and Ed left their house and went down into the bunker. Two of the nurses went to get help for Carolyn Griswold that was in one of the houses that collapsed. One of them came running back. She headed for the bunker and the North Vietnamese soldiers bump, 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 machine gunned her and she fell dead in the bunker. And to make sure she was dead, they threw a hand grenade in the bunker, which of course exploded and killed uh, Ruth and Ed. I was first a bit angry with God, but it didn't take long for me to realize uh, that he was fulfilling his purpose for each of their lives and that there were those who witnessed by death as well as those who witnessed by life. And I knew that only good could come out of it because our God is sovereign and all things work together for good. They covered over the bunker grave and that became the grave, this grave site for Ruth Wilting, Ed, and Ruth Thompson. And I carved into that tombstone the verse John 12, 24. Except a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. I've said many times they impacted many more people in their death than they did in their life. How do you explain the tremendous harvest that we're having in Vietnam without one missionary there? A growth from 60,000 to 1 million. Only one explanation. When they saw that the messengers of the gospel 
were willing to lay their lives down for Jesus Christ. They said, this must be the truth. And you know, when tribal people come to Christ, they don't come to Christ as individuals. They come as whole villages. And village after village after village, especially in the highlands, among the mountain people, came to faith in Jesus Christ. And today, there are strong churches all over Vietnam because of the death of the missionaries. of something larger than ourselves and we are grateful for it. It is our past and we will use it to move forward. Before uh, we move to uh, our benediction, I want to remind you that uh, today is Benevolent Sunday also. Um, so let's share with those in our community by giving to the Benevolent Fund. Garth has an offering plate at back. Um, this is our story. This is our song. Jesus, Jesus only. So, to help me end today, um, let's remember Hebrews 12.2. Let's rise together. Let's sing the doxology. And uh, at the end, just for something different, let's do kind of a five-note amen. Ah, 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 amen. And show me that good harmonies and squeakings that make Jesus happy. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him above creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy 